welcome to Atlanta Mix 108. Up next is Author Talk with your host, Emma Roostrack. edition today. It, we're going international to New Zealand with my good friend, Brooke Hannah. Hannah, or Brooke, sorry, I almost called you by your last name. <laughs> Everyone um, does how are you doing it's today? All good. I'm doing well, thank you. <laughs> now, it's 9 a.m. my time we're recording. It's like 1.30 in the morning where you are, just so our listeners know what's going on with the demographics. And then it was going to be crazy. So, just so we understand where we're at, so we're talking about your internet publish, but we're working on getting you a traditional publisher for your current book that you're almost finished writing. Would you like to tell us the name of that? Uh, The book is part of a series that is called Keepers of a Corridor. And how many books in the series are you thinking about doing? Uh, well, I've got to do one about each of the keepers separately and then finding their power and then sort of the big finale book. So basically sort of very much like Game of Thrones level stuff. You know, I really want to write a symphony of a story, you know, and really put my all into it. That's always the best way to do things. So we're in book one right now, and this is where the dragons rule and the keepers are taxed with protecting it. Now, I'm not going to read the entire blurb right now, but as an internet book, this is one of the better ones that I've read so far, and it's really captivating, and we've already talked about going to a publisher I'm not going to say who that publisher is because I don't want to put them on the spot right now <laughs> with everything that's going on. <laughs> but but you have a very insightful way of describing your books and your writing style. Do Does this just come natural, or how did you come up with this book? Uh, Keepers of a Corridor has sort of been in the making for a long, long time. I have always been fascinated by dragons. I... I'm an amateur paleontologist, and since I was a little girl, I always had the ability to not only look at bones, but to sort of picture what that animal would have been like alive, see it as a living, breathing individual and give it a personality. And when it came to dragons, everyone always just saw them as these scaly animals, and I was like, well, okay, that's kind of cool, you know, and they're scary, but, you know, what if they had fur and feathers and, and like, magic powers, but also lived like in complex civilizations. That's really where the idea of Keepers of a Corridor came, came to be because I was thinking about a coming-of-age story at the same time, and I was like, well, why not apply it to dragons? That is a really interesting thing. Yeah, because 
we all read the books where all the dragons have scales or breathe fire or are in their own way terrifying. But yeah, you don't absolutely. hear where the dragons have fur or magical powers or do something creative or more than just being scary. Yeah, and I mean, and that's so sad because it's the same with dinosaurs. You know, when the dinosaur revolution came around and everyone found out all these things about dinosaurs that we had only, you know, imagined in our head, you know, like dinosaurs with feathers and and being able to fly like birds. And to think about a T-Rex, this big scary predator, you know, that everyone just sees as this killer because of things like Jurassic Park, which is stupid because, in fact, they were one of the most amazing mothers in the history of planet Earth. So it was really like, how do I bring that kind of amazing feeling that I felt when I learned all this stuff about dinosaurs to kids? And I was like, well, I'm going to show them my version of dragons. Well, there we go. And I'm so glad you did because it's amazing what you've done with this story so far. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Um. Now, you only have the sample on ink it. We already discussed there will not be any more sampling because we really want to get this book into more readers' hands and into a publisher's hands because that's where this book really, really needs to be. And to hear that after going through what I've gone through, I am sort of all the viewers out there, guys, I actually live with complex post-traumatic stress disorder from over 16 years of bullying for being different and unique and seeing the world the way I do and writing stories the way I do. To hear people actually say that they love the book that much, even with just this little snippet, just makes my day. Just makes me smile like a total idiot every single day of my life. <laughs> no, currently, okay, we're talking about bullying. I'm one of the authors from my publishing house, Wild Dreams Publishing, that's working on an anti-bullying anthology or campaign. We hear this so much within the world of books about bullying. Even our authors are bullied by other authors because they're either unique, have a different writing style, or people just don't get their writing style. If we all step back and let each other be who we are meant to be, we wouldn't have half the problems that we have. That's why we're yeah, I, doing the anti-bullying anthology. Which I think would be fantastic for a lot of kids in school, you know, that are different. Because I went to a school where everyone was very sporty. And I can't run. I've got flat feet. I fall flat on my face if I even try to sprint. I'm, like, trying to run after these kids and I just fall. So I was terrible. And creativity and art and all the stuff that I did was a way of getting that frustration out by creating these characters that could do the stuff I couldn't and right. I, I owe them a lot <laughs> but is we have so much going on in the author world right now even in just daily 
life, and some of this stuff just doesn't make sense, not to me, not to anyone. And it's sad that we have to take someone like you who has a gift to write, and people feel the need to bring you and other authors down. It's ridiculous. And this is such this is such a wonderful book. They should be building you up where your self-esteem soars because you put so much time, so much effort, so much heart into the story, and it really shows if someone actually took the time to read it. <laughs> that means everything because I'll tell you how the dragons actually came about right. I used to live in Adelaide, Australia for about a year and I was starting to be a paleontologist and I failed. You know, my mind was so completely messed up with everything I'd gone through that I couldn't even focus. But I went to Adelaide Museum and there were some kids there and I went into the Hall of Mammals, you know, where all those mammals are and they show you them all. And it was like, okay, so what what mammals can I put together with dinosaurs to create these dragons? And these kids came up to me because they saw me drawing and they just lost their minds at the idea of dragons having, like, animal looks. And they were just, like, running around the hall of mammals going, tiger, lion! And I'm like, okay, slow down. I need to I need to write these all down so that I can remember. But um, that was what really inspired me to keep going with KOE was that there was already this thing of this is so different. This is such a different take on dragons, you know. I'm really going to have fun with this, and I am having fun with it. <laughs> it's the best thing That's in the always world the greatest. to have fun with it. Oh, it is amazing to sit down to write a book. You write a character, and you go, wait, I don't want the boring scaly dragon, or I don't want the normal amphibian race that looks like a human and stuff like this. I want to do something different it's always more fun to have a creation of your own making and to give it its own personality than to take something that's already there and try to put your own personality into someone else's creation yeah absolutely i mean um one of my favorite dragons in the series is actually um is luna you know this um when people read the book they'll know who she is and who she correlates to in that team, but she's so special to me in so many ways because the idea of combining the animal that I combined her with and her story and how she feels about herself, she's very near and dear to my heart. So when people go, I really like this character, I'm like, yes, I did something right. You know, it actually made this amazing character that people like. And I'll literally skip around my house feeling like the happiest person in the world. See, I have I have dragons in my own series. One is a creation made from clouds. So oh, that has cool. a scaly, but it's really made from the cloud. It's not really a dragon as you, we would know it. The second one is actually the main character transforming into the dragon, and she takes on different shapes as dragons, whatever her mind decides to be so it's really fun just to take different elements to create different dragons different characters different worlds and letting your mind just wander yeah and um you know my dad's 
my dad's a huge history nut, right? So when I was writing KOE, he was very, you know, into helping me out and going, you should look at all these different, you know, ancient civilizations and see if you can put them in. And I was like, well, that works. Yeah. You know, when you start blending historical facts or historical civilizations, at least the part that has the governing bodies or the architecture or different things, and then you make a fantasy out of it. It's very unique, very exciting, and this is a story I absolutely love. So <laughs> just so you know, I do want to yes. read, read the end of this as soon as you're done. So. Well, yeah, the first book's going to have a lot of the um, the action and sort of the coming together of them as a group and having to overcome not only their own differences because, you know, it's sort of like when you go into a school environment, you know, and you get thrown in with all these different kids and you're all arguing because you've all got different opinions and you've all got ideas of what you want to do and then something magic happens, you know. It's, it's not even something that I can describe, but you make friends with them and, you know, there's times you're like, how the heck did I do that? Because I kind of hated these people when I was first with them. So I really wanted to yeah. put that in. You find, with the friend thing, you find common ground somewhere. You can be on different ends of any spectrum, and there's middle ground. You just have to find it. And once you find it, you find out, hey, this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, and that's definitely what I wanted to um, put in with the keepers because, you know, the young the, the young adults, they're basically from teenagers to about my age, you know, in terms of hum- humanity, but they've lived much longer. So, of course, they've experienced more than anyone would as a human. But then you can sort of play into the psychological effects of what that has on someone, you know, like what happens if instead of going through 16 years of something, you went through... 16,000 years, you know, say the dragon's aged every 1,000 years, and then it kind of gets really interesting when you think like that, because you just can add so much more depth to these characters, and that's what I've loved so much about exploring every single last one of them. Your characters, I'm finding, I mean, I love your characters, and you give them each of their own tone, their own personality, and your mind is wonderful, okay? Your story voice is, I want to get this book into the hands of many, 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 many people. <laughs> but we need to, A, get it finished. B, get you a publisher, because you really do need a guiding hand to get this book out to as many people as possible. It's just that, and that good awesome. of a book. And I'm a fantasy reader. If it falls into fantasy, I'm all over it. I'll read yep. anything, but my go-to genre to read is fantasy. That's my escape. So when I find a book that I can escape into whether it be dragons or other realms or whatever, I look at it not only as an author myself, but I look at it as a reader with a critical eye as, is this something I really enjoy and am I just reading it? 
and your book sucked me in. And like I said before, I want to see the ending of book one to go into the next book, but I want you to have a publisher before you do anything else. Well, the interesting thing is is that when I write, um, I can sort of see it like a movie. I, I think it's because I'm an artist as well. You know, I sort of can storyboard everything in my head and then understand where the characters will go, and they all have very distinct voices. You know, I know exactly who I would want to basically voice them. Speaking of, you just said something, and something just clicked with me. When you're yep. done writing this, I highly suggest making a script from it. If I knew how to write scripts, I totally would. I've, I've never written a script before in my life, so I'm really nervous about okay. that, but if people would okay. want it. Okay. When we get to a publisher and everything's hunky-dory with the publisher and we get this into the hands of the readers as in a physical copy, contact me. Keep me in touch, and we'll see about getting this made into a script. Because this is another book that I see someone like Universal taking, or HBO, because this could be the next Game of Thrones. Yeah, Just I to would throw lose that out there. my mind. <laughs> I am not kidding. I would lose my mind if HBO or Universal went, hey, we want to use your book. I'd be like, excuse me, my moment. I would like put my phone on hold and then run around the house screaming my head off. Probably making my neighbors wonder what the heck's wrong with me because I would be so (laughs) pumped for that concept. So we need to finish book one, have you with the publisher, keep you completely protected with your rights because that's 100% um, important. And then we need to work on a script for you. That would be so cool. There's so much cool stuff I see in this book that, as an artist, it needs to be played out. As an author, I can't wait to read more. And (laughs) I do so many things, and we'll talk about this more later, but I do so much stuff marketing and stuff for different authors and different things besides this radio show that every once in a while I'm given the opportunity to do something truly helpful and unique for other authors. So this is one of those times that I think I can get you at least started toward the right direction. Honestly, any direction would just be incredible to get it out there to people and to to see what they think oh, of it. Gonna, would just... We're going to get it in the hands of people. That's You don't have to worry about that. But it's just getting it in the hands of the publisher to get this so people can have a physical copy. Digital is great. I don't knock those ones that read only digital, but I'm a traditional reader. I love the smell of paper. Oh, yeah. You give me... Every time I used to go in the library, right, they had the old X-Men uh-huh. comics, and I would literally be sitting there smelling them, and everyone would be looking at me like, you know, yeah. get into the lunatic asylum. Why is she sniffing the books? I'm like, they smell amazing. 
<laughs> exactly. It's not, well, part of it's the ink that they use, and part of it is how long the pages have been exposed to air. But when you get all the collection of books together, it just smells amazing, especially in a library or a home library. <laughs> yeah, I, I currently have. So. Yeah, I can't write unless I have books surrounding me. I have to have my books. Mm. So my book, my yeah, house I smells have, like paper. Go ahead. Can I come and see your house? Because that sounds awesome. I would, I'd go nuts in there. I'd be like a cat on the floor purring because I would just be like, yes, books, give me all the books. Like, if you're ever in America, I would gladly house you for a while. But, yeah, every room I, well, in my house has books. Literally, every room. Oh, that, even, even my kitchen. That sounds awesome. We don't have a lot of room where I live, so um, I've had to make, like, a lot of sacrifices in terms of stuff I I can have, which is okay because, you know, like, a nice, cozy house is lovely. But And it's great to, you know, just to write because it's like, oh, i got this nice, cozy place to just chill. But at the same time, it's like, I want to set up my YouTube channel and I want to do this and I want to do that. And it's like, and I don't have the room in it. And it drives me a little bit crazy. So that's what's been so good about having an outlet like um, like KOE is just getting my mind off all that frustration. I can totally relate. My house is not big by any means. And it's really cozy, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm not giving up my books. My house can look cluttered. I'm not giving up my books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. If I... Um... If I ever buy my own house, right, it would be like an old converted barn. It would have two rooms at the front, up the top, with like stained glass windows inspired by Keepers of the Corridor, with the books just everywhere, set up with an art studio and full YouTube, and just be a place I could go and write, because I would just love that. Yeah, eventually I, I, just, I plan on getting me a house that I can build, build in bookshelves in every room and just be surrounded by my books. Books make an excellent insulation, by the way, when you have them in, a, uh, in between walls. So. Really? I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you have built-in bookshelves and you have your books on, on the shelves, it makes great insulation in a house with uh, acoustics. Yeah, that would be awesome if I could do that. That'd be so cool. It's um, a little one tricky. Of the things... Go ahead. Yeah, I bet it would be a little tricky. I was just going to say one of the things that you know that I have a big goal for with KOE is to eventually turn it into a graphic novel because one of the things that got me over my writer's block when I was younger, which almost stopped me writing completely, was reading graphic novels and comics like from DC and Marvel and all that I just love to do that I think that would be so cool because that's just like another form of storytelling see I was asked to turn my novels into graphic novels I'm like I don't know how to do that I mean yeah (laughs) I can see it but that's not I never read, read a graphic novel or a comic book in my life. 
Never. So I have no idea how to set one up. Um, I can give you some sort of like <laughs> knowledge that I learned from because one of my favorite um, favorite graphic novels, even though it was originally Canada's comic, is the Batman um, graphic novel called The Killing Joke, which is all about Joker and him trying to show Batman that look, even the most sane and normal person can be reduced to lunacy if you have one bad day. And the art in it just tells the story so well that you don't even need the dialogue. I would highly recommend it. It's a, it's a dark story. You might feel a bit sorry for Joker during it. So if you're not a big fan of the Joker, maybe, you know, try to not feel sorry for him. I'm a huge fan of his, so I just love how he's written. But that graphic novel changed my life when it came to story writing and the idea of emoting through, like, not only artwork, but, you know, like, internal dialogue rather than just speaking. That sounds like something I'm going to have to pick up. I don't know where I'll find it I, at, but I'm sure I can find it somewhere in, in my hometown here. It, it's Some amazing. Somehow. It's one of the <laughs> it's one of the best books. It, it it ends on one of the most amazing cliffhangers because it's it's divided DC fans forever because it's like, does Batman actually do what he said he never would to Joker, or are they both you know are they both just standing in the rain laughing and it's such a, a well put together scene that it's just like what did Batman do and you're losing it because you're like did he actually you know did he actually kill Joker you know did he actually do it did he did Joker actually finally win and you're like you're like processing it and that was that I think is why it makes one of the best graphic novels because that just that last scene and the way that it, it's put on the page is just so awesome it blows my mind every time That sounds 100% amazing, something that's right up my line to read. But I would highly recommend okay. it. it. It's one of my favorite books. Okay. Before we go, because we only got a few minutes left, unfortunately, um, I want to make sure that our listeners can get a hold of you. And I know you have Facebook. Do you want to, do, do you have an author page or just your personal page? I have just a personal page for now, but I've also got a fan page for Keepers of Equality where if you guys want to see some of the artwork that I've done for it, you're welcome to check it out. I have a YouTube channel up and running, well, in the making right now, called Brasinga Rise, where I hope to, you know, blast your minds with the book eventually. Um, apart from that, you can find me on Instagram under the same name of Brasinga Rise, but that's more personal stuff. Apart from that, I'm just kind of, hiding in the shadows right now, but, you know, it's my time to shine, and that feels amazing for the first time in my life. Yes, and we are going to get you shining because your book really, really needs to be spotlighted. And when you get to a publisher and you have an actual release date, I want to pull you back in the show because I want the readers to be blasted with hearing your name and hearing about your book. That would be awesome. So, for now, good night, Atlanta. This is author Emma Wooschok signing off. And again, Brooke, Hannah, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was an absolute pleasure.